From Charlotte, North Carolina, you're listening to the Bible Answer Man broadcast with Hank Hanegraaff, president of the Christian Research Institute. The reason the Bible Answer Man is on the air is to defend the Christian faith, proclaim the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and to teach discipleship to his followers, because life and truth matter. For more information or to order equipping resources, call 888-7000-CRI which translates to 888-7000-274, or go online to equip.org. That's equip.org. The following program was pre-recorded. And now, here's your host, Hank Hanegraaff. Thank you very much, Randy. Again, our contact information is always on the web, equip.org, and via the mail, it is box 8500, Charlotte, North Carolina, zip code 28. Two seven one. Our resource consultants is always standing by. Triple eight seven thousand, and the letters C R I. We'll go right to the callers. Calvin first, listening in Brooklyn, New York. Hi, Calvin. Hello. Hi. Um, how you doing? It's my um first time ever listening to you. So um, I I just get to it. Um. I've lost, I lost everything. I lost my, lost my business, lost my job, lost my home, lost my family, lost my wife. I lost my faith. And I just want to give up. I don't. I don't feel a. I don't feel a purpose no more. I don't know what to do. I don't. I don't know how to pick up the pieces. Um, my brother told me to call you to get him give some advice on how I can move forward. I'm finding it very difficult right now to express all my feelings right now because I just don't want to break down. Well, Calvin, I, I don't have any simple answers to your dilemma. I can tell you this, that you have not lost everything. You are made in the image and likeness of God, and that does not change. And the only one who ultimately can help you in the difficulties of life is God. I mean, your story, as you've just chronicled it, sounds very much to me like what I've read about in the book of Job, something that all of us, quite frankly, fear. And in the midst of his turmoil, Job ultimately did the one thing that we all can do, he placed his faith and trust in God, saying, Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. So the one thing that's most significant in all that you said is that you've lost your faith or your trust in God. 
And I think that ultimately is what will be a turning point for you. To recognize that God will never leave you or forsake you. That if you place your trust in Him, though you will not experience of necessity a panacea where everything suddenly will be wonderful, He will help you through the deepest, darkest storms that are yet on the horizon for you. And so I, I pray that you would put your faith and trust wholly in Him. He knit you together in your mother's womb. All the days ordained for you were written in His book before one of them came to be. He loved you so much. He left His estate, as it were, in glory and emptied himself so that you could be filled with him. And when you are filled with him, though it does not mean that all the earthly possessions come back, that all the loves of your life are restored, it means that you will have peace in the midst of the storm. And as you are transformed, you'll become a transformational agent. Now, I... I have to confess that it is easy to say what I'm saying. I think it's completely sound. It's based on scriptural principles. But when you're in the midst of the storm that you're in, sometimes it's hard for someone that is not experiencing that to fully grasp what you're going through. And I just want to acknowledge that up front. But I also want to say that the Lord who created you, knows your every pain and sorrow. And I can say with a surety based on his word that he does have a purpose and a plan for those who love him and those who are called according to his purpose. So there's a couple of things I can do, the first of which is to pray. Lord, I do bring Calvin before your throne of grace. And Lord, though I feel deep compassion in my soul at this very moment, it pales by comparison to the compassion that you have for Calvin and his circumstances. Lord, I pray that Calvin might fully and truly place his trust in you alone. That he might confess his sins that he may give thanks for what he does have, the precious gift of life, and for a brother that cares enough to give him counsel. And Lord, even now as I bring Kelvin before your throne of grace, I do pray that there are many others that will join me in asking, besieging you to make him a testimony of your grace to restore to him the joy of his salvation and grant a willing spirit to sustain him. And Lord, I pray that in tangible ways, when we can, we will reach out to the downtrodden and remember that that is the mission of the church and precisely why the early Christians were a testimony to the world. The world looking on saying, see how they love one another. 
and the love of Christ constraining them to come. So Lord, we look at this circumstance not as a serendipitous, random connection of people, but as your divine providence. And we pray that you will answer this prayer joined by many people, not by our might or our power, but by your Spirit. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Uh, Kelvin, I want you, the second thing, I want you to hang on. I mean, perhaps there's something tangible we can do as well. If you hang on, I'll have one of my associates pick up the phone and spend some time talking to you as well. I'll like that. Thank you so much. You got it. And there are a lot of people, trust me, that will be praying for you, but we'll, we'll see what we can do tangibly as well. Thank you for giving me a call. And look, I think in a broader sense, I mean, we're talking about one person, but there are many people that are hurting all over the world. I have been in places where people are literally digging their endurance out of the mud, their sustenance, as it were. I have seen things with my eyes that simply boggle the mind. And so often in my own cocoon or bubble, we fail to recognize that we are called to be the hands and the feet of Christ to a world that not only needs a loaf of bread and a glass of water, but also needs our love. This is also a reminder of how important the church, the body of Christ is. None of us can make it on our own. Sometimes our problems are deeply physical and they have to do with our physical sustenance, but sometimes the problems are even deeper still. And so we need the body of Christ. And for those listening in, maybe you'll want to pick up your Bible and read Romans chapter 12 and start to recognize just how important each part of the body is to the other parts of the body. And those that are in good health and things are going well, remember to thank the Lord for it and also to immerse yourself in the graces whereby we can become by grace what God is by nature so that we can be filled with Christ, partakers of the divine nature. We'll be right back with more answers to your questions in just a few moments. So please don't touch that dial. If you were going into combat, what would be more important? The number of those who were for you or the number of those who were with you? Now, apply that question to today's battle for the hearts and minds of literally millions of people at home and abroad. That's what makes members of CRI's support team so vital. They're not simply for CRI's critical mission, they're standing with CRI each and every day. If you want your voice and your values to be heard through the outreaches of the Christian Research Institute, become a member of CRI's support team today. Just call 888-7000-CRI to stand with CRI daily in the battle for life and truth. And as our thanks, Hank Hanegraaff will personalize to you a copy of his complete Bible answer book, Collector's Edition, revised and updated. Call 888-7000-CRI or visit our website at equip.org. Hank will be back right after this. 
The complete Bible Answer Book Collector's Edition Revised and Updated is a comprehensive collection of the most often asked as well as most difficult questions Hank Hanegraaff has received in nearly three decades of hosting the Bible Answer Man broadcast. This expanded edition contains new entries, leading readers to a better understanding of God and our relationship to Him in Jesus Christ. The complete Bible Answer Book Collector's Edition revised and updated is a comprehensive, handy, and attractive volume that you will return to again and again. Take your exploration of God's Word to new heights and receive the revised and updated Complete Bible Answer Book as our thank you for your gift by calling 888-7000-CRI and make a gift to support the Christian Research Institute's life-changing outreaches, 888-7000-CRI, or visit equip.org. Breaking the code of the book of Revelation has become an international obsession. The result has been rampant misreading of scripture, bad theology, and even bad politics and foreign policy. In the Apocalypse Code, find out what the Bible really says about the end times and why it matters today. Hank Hanegraaff argues that the key to understanding the last book of the Bible is the other 65 books of the Bible, not current events or recent history. The Apocalypse Code offers sane answers to some very controversial questions such as what does it mean to take the book of Revelation literally? Who are the Antichrist and the Great Whore of Babylon? And what is the real meaning of 666? Order The Apocalypse Code by Hank Hanegraaff today. Available in soft cover, MP3 CD or MP3 download from equip.org or call 888-7000-CRI. The number of wolves surrounding the Christian flock is growing, and they relish nothing more than docile sheep utterly incapable of defending themselves. From militant secularists at home to militant Islamists abroad, the assaults on biblical Christianity are growing dangerously. But Christian Research Institute support team members aren't in favor of feeding these wolves. Instead, each day they're making possible an array of outreaches that defang these wolf packs with solid arguments and evidence that have stood the test of time. What's more, support team members are equipping themselves with CRI's Equipping Essentials, a hand-picked collection of the best apologetics tools around. Your selection of resources, along with a complimentary subscription to the Christian Research Journal, are just our way of saying thanks. To learn more about the benefits of membership, simply visit equip.org. Once again, that's equip.org. Let's return to your host, Hank Hanegraaff. Thank you, Mr. Randy, and we'll go right back to our phone callers. Next up is Kevin, listening in Terra Oak, Indiana. Hi, Kevin. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. My question is, I got saved when I was younger, and then I was listening to a sermon yet. I always listen to this network every day when I'm going to work, when I'm coming home from work, and a pastor was on there talking, and he said that, if you've got saved but God didn't call you, you're not saved. He was reading out of the Bible. I can't remember where he was. But he said when, when you get saved or when you accept God, he calls you, and that's the only time you can get saved. Well, my question was, if I got saved, how do I know God called me? And if he didn't then I got saved, I mean, am I still going to hell? Well, I mean, the issue here, 
is do you want to be a participant in the kingdom? And if you want to be a participant in the kingdom, that you, you participate in the principles and precepts of the kingdom. You take up your cross and you follow Jesus Christ. And you don't do that in isolation. You do it within the context of the body of Christ. So the issue becomes not just saying a prayer and having a, an insurance policy that keeps you out of a bad place and gets you into a good place, but rather participating on an ongoing active basis in kingdom principles. And if you are doing that, then you are a participant of the kingdom, and God is not going to try to keep you out of his kingdom based on a technicality. It is true that the Holy Spirit woos all of humankind. We can reject the wooing of the Holy Spirit, or we can receive the Spirit. We can receive the engrafted life of Jesus Christ. And if we do that, then the King that lives within us also will sustain us. So ultimately, this is a matter of the heart. It's a matter of recognizing that you're a sinner. It's a willingness to repent of your sin and then become a participant in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. So, I mean, there's no gotcha here. It's not as though there's some kind of a formula that if you didn't cross the T properly or dot the I properly, you might be excluded from the kingdom. I mean, if you think about this logically or biblically, you immediately realize that Christ did all so that we might be reconciled to him, not only for time, but also for eternity. He suffered more than any human being, more than the sufferings of all of humanity, so we could be reconciled. So it's a matter of us turning our wills over to him. That help? Yes, absolutely. Thank you. You got it. Back to the phone lines. We'll talk to Ron next in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Hi, Ron. Hey, Hank. I really do appreciate the words you spoke to Calvin. I think that ministered to so many other people. I have a question about Mark 9, and sometimes I think of things, try to get rid of the humanistic thoughts and try to look at the positive and most impossible possibilities that a creator can do uh, with with this universe, with this earth, with this peoples and all of this creation. And the question I have is, why not, when he said, truly I say to you, that there are some here today that will not taste of death until I come in my glory? Is it, very, is it possible, Hank, that what we deem to be impossible is so possible to God without question? And is it possible that there are people still upon this earth living that lived in those times then, that he put a blessing upon them and that they have gone through the eons of time. Well, I don't think that you would get this from the passage or from a biblical worldview. I think what you get from this passage is, and again, the words are so powerful, they're the words of our Lord, where, as you pointed out or paraphrased, I tell you the truth, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God come with power. Now think about these words preceding the account of the transfiguration. So Peter and James and John, they go up the Mount of Transfiguration, and they're on Mount Tabor, 
they see something that they could never have imagined. They see transfiguration and they are themselves enveloped in a cloud of uncreated energy. So they're experiencing something in terms of the kingdom that is beyond communication. And later on, as the narrative unfolds, they see the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They see him crucified and then resurrected. And then they realize, wow, Christ has the power to lay down his life and take it up again. And so they are seeing the power of the kingdom of God. Then they see the ascension of Jesus Christ. And then they see him coming on clouds, as it were, a judgment metaphor, in judgment on the very city that was called to be a light to the nations, but yet prostituted its privilege. So all of that in Toto is talking about the transfiguration through the ministry of Jesus Christ, the miraculous including, and the epitome of which is the resurrection, and then his ascension, and then his coming on clouds to judge. So this does not have to do with the end of the world. This has to do with his coming in judgment. But it also has to do with the unfolding of the kingdom, which these very people standing there are called to be co-consummators of, just as you and I are today. So the principle has an application to us today, but does not in any way suggest that the people that were living then and heard those words are amongst us today. They are dead and they are either in the presence of God or they are separated from the presence of God very much as delineated by Jesus Christ in Luke chapter 16. Well, that's, I, I think I take things so literally, and then I wondered about why was he speaking that they would not taste of death? Was Were those times so terrible that within the next two weeks they could be dead if they did not witness, you know, or that he was going to keep them alive long enough to witness these things? Were, were the perils of life in that time so terrible that when he spoke to them, I tell you that they will not see see death or taste of death until they see me coming in my glory. I was just wondering if there's the impossibilities of man or, or you know, yeah. that nothing is impossible with God, that these people could still be here. Yeah, well, the mistake is to think that the coming of God in glory or the kingdom of God coming with power has to do specifically with the second coming of Jesus Christ. And those that read this text in that way are failing to read Scripture in light of Scripture. And I think the importance in interpretation is not whether you're taking it literally or not, it's whether you're reading it as literature or not. It's inspired infallible literature, but it is literature nonetheless. And in the case of a passage like this, we must interpret the text in light of the text. In other words, Scripture in light of Scripture. I'm going to leave it at that, but I've written about this in a little more detail in my book, The Apocalypse Code. Find out what the Bible really says about the end times and why it matters. Today, let's go back to the phone lines. We'll talk to Alex in Van Nuys, California. Alex is listening on the web. Hi. Hey, how are you doing today, Hank? I'm doing well, thank you. All right. 
So I just wanted to ask a really quick question. So I was reading Second Kings and uh, chapter 2, and pretty much you see Elijah about to be taken up, and he's having a conversation with his mentee, Elisha, and he says, what can I do for you? I'm about to be taken up. And he says, I want double the spirit that you have. I want double the portion of the spirit that you have. I would like to know what does that actually mean? Because I heard it through um, my personal opinion, bad exegesis, where people say, did you see what happened to Elisha? He got double the anointing that Elisha had. And I'm like, well, I don't understand. Did he get double of God? Or did God use him in a double mighty way? But... I mean, I'm just a little bit confused. The word anointing's not there. The word spirit, I want double the portion of your spirit. So I'm just a little bit confused. So, like Sure, it's a matter of reading the Bible in light of the Bible, as I was speaking about in the last call. So here you have Elisha is using the language of inheritance law to ask to carry on Elijah's ministry. In the prologue of the question, you rightly said, one is the teacher, the other is the student. And so this is not to receive twice the greatness of Elijah. That would be a rather audacious thing to ask for. But if you read Scripture in light of Scripture, what you find out is that passages like Deuteronomy 21 tell us that a double portion of a father's possessions is given to the firstborn son as the right, and the operative word here is right, the right of the firstborn and the law of inheritance. So to receive a double share really is the language of succession. And sometimes what we try to do is take the biblical language and instead of reading it in light of scripture, we try to make the language walk on all fours. And when you end up doing that, you not only have some absurdities, but it raises the kind of conundrums that you pose in the prologue to your question. Thanks for tuning in. Please stand shoulder to shoulder with us in the battle for life and truth. You've been listening to the Bible Answer Man broadcast with Hank Hanegraaff. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 8500, Charlotte, North Carolina, zip code 28271. To listen to the broadcast on the internet, visit equip.org, where you'll also find a wealth of information and resources to equip you. To talk to a resource consultant, call 888-7000-CRI. That's 888-7000-274. The Bible Answer Man broadcast is supported by listeners like you. We're on the air because life and truth matter. With over half a million copies in print, Hank Hanegraaff's Bible Answer Books were born out of his many years of hosting the Bible Answer Man broadcast. He's taken his on-air answers to questions and chiseled them until only the gems emerge. Questions involving biblical interpretation, cults, science, ethics, apparent contradictions, and much more. This remarkable collection of concise answers is now even better. My goal, says Hank, is to take the complex and make it simple and memorable. Receive your copy of the complete Bible Answer Book Collector's Edition revised and updated as our thank you for your gift by calling 888-7000-CRI and make a gift to support CRI's life-changing outreaches, 888-7000-CRI, or visit equip.org. That's equip.org.